Well, this is a, a special service, so maybe this is your first time being with us today, and you say, what did I come into? Uh, we're celebrating 50 years. We thank you for being here. It's your first time with us, and, and thank you for all of you who have come back to visit us that were once a part of this uh, a wonderful congregation, and, and just it's just a special time to celebrate. I mean, 50 years is a big deal, so happy 50th anniversary, Crossroads family, and what a wonderful uh, and wild ride the 50 years have been. Uh, just for the record, I really have not been here for the whole 50 years, but, uh, but some of you have almost made it that far. I want to recognize some of the people who are still with us. Now, people ask me, say, what's the number one reason why people leave this church or any church? Well, the number one reason uh, from the surveys we did of why people leave Crossroads is they say, I just can't handle his jokes anymore. That's just, they say, I'm, I'm, I'm at my limit and, and I, I couldn't take anymore, so uh, we... Everyone says amen, they get that. But I want to recognize these people. Uh, I know that uh, Pat uh, Dawson was in rehab. Did Pat make it today? Um, she couldn't make it today. Pat Dawson, David Ammerman, Kathy Ambergie, Gary and Martha Burris. Uh, those of you that can, and that list that can stand, would you stand to your feet? We want to uh, celebrate you, everybody. Uh, amen. Let's give them a round of applause. Amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen. So I want, I want to just jump through some of these people real quick. Uh, Pat Dawson. Uh, Pat Dawson is, um, uh, she oozes uh, hospitality. If you know Pat Dawson, it just comes out of her pores. She is hospitable. She uses hospitality. That's her husband, but she went to be on, to be with the Lord many years ago, and, and anytime there's something going on, Pat's here. Pat got us a, uh, a 50th anniversary cake, and um, she said, anybody get that? No, and so uh, Kathy helped take care of that, and, and what a wonderful, wonderful lady she is. David Ammerman, uh, David Ammerman, here's David and his wife, Lori. Uh, David was on what was the deacon body when I arrived here in 1989, and has served ever since. He's the only one that changed into an elder body. He's the only one that's been with us for all those years. And so, David, thank you for your service. Lori, by the way, helped in so many capacities over the years in children's ministry and nursery and office help, played the piano, and the list goes on and on and on. Uh, especially in churches, unless it's some super mega church, you probably have served and wore many hats over the years, so we thank you for that faithfulness. Uh, Kathy Ambergie. Kathy Ambergie is a rock star, uh, at Crossroads Community Church, amen, and nobody can outwork Kathy, just want you to know that, it can't, can't be done, uh, we had an event uh, where we were purging the church several years ago, and she was in here working all day on Monday, all day on Tuesday, all day on Wednesday, all day on Thursday, she said she wanted to talk with me at the end of the day on Thursday, and she said, I just wanted you to know I won't be here tomorrow, I'm going in for surgery, uh, which I thought was totally unacceptable, you know. I mean, she, surely before and after. I said, Kathy, you're, you're allowed to have the week off that you're going into surgery, but she couldn't think of that. One of my goals was uh, Kathy uh, serves food and everything. I mean, funeral dinners, anything, she's on it. Uh, also, uh, two of her helpers that are almost always helping her are Betty and Sandy Ross. And so I said, hey, I, our goal is to make sure that Kathy... Betty and Sandy don't have to work this event. You know how hard that was? Uh, there were several times where I said, 
I, I need something done. And, and Darlene said, call Kathy. I said, no, Kathy's supposed to be getting a break on this. So uh, Kathy, thank you for all the years of service. And then again, she's served in many, many capacities around here. And uh, Gary and Martha Burris. Uh, now this is, this is uh, the rose between two thorns here, Martha. Uh, for those who want to make a connection, Martha and David, the elder that we just talked about, they're brother and sister, okay? And this is Joe over here uh, beside Martha. Joe does not attend here. He was blackballed. Um, <laughs> he was not. If you've, that's just kidding. See what I mean? Some of you are already thinking. I get why they left. Um, Joe, if you've listened to Jennings County Radio, he's been the voice of Jennings County Radio forever, so if you don't recognize his face, if you heard his voice, you go, oh, I know who that guy is. And over here is Martha and Gary. Gary was the very first one to introduce me. I found a cassette tape years ago. Uh, remember those things, cassette tapes? I found a cassette tape, and I was listening to it, and it was the very first Sunday I was here uh, acting as pastor, and Gary Burris gave me the introduction, and uh, he read everything I wrote perfectly, and it was a great introduction. Thank you, Gary, for all your years of service as well. And Martha, Martha, Martha made communion for us for a couple decades and, and serves in the nursery and just anywhere you can think of over there. She was on the worship team for years. Uh, one, uh, I already mentioned one of the Tell Life singers, and so a lot of wonderful people. Um, I was thinking about others, too, like um, Fred and Becky Ammerman. Fred and Becky Ammerman, they've both gone on to be with the Lord. Friend Becky was willing to put up their farm for the church. Now, I don't know if you know this, but sometimes, you know, bankers get a bad rap. Like, I don't know, I think we're being persecuted because we're Christians. They don't want to give us a loan. Uh, no, and, and that isn't what happened with Crossroads. But you know how many times bankers probably hear, the Lord told us to start a church, and we need a bunch of money. <laughs> and they go, okay. Well, I imagine the churches are a lot like small businesses. About 90% of them fell in five years, and... Uh, Wow. Uh, Fred and Becky said, we're willing to put up the farm. Literally, you know the saying? They were willing to bet the farm that Crossroads Community Church would make it, and uh, lo, these 50 years later, we're still here. Um, Charlie and Mary and Sherry Berkman. Now, now Charlie uh, has gone on to be with the Lord. Uh, Charlie, his fingerprint is on every part of this building everywhere. Amen. Charlie told me one time that there'd be times where he would not know what to do, and he would pray, and he'd be lying in bed, and he'd just get the information, like, this is what you need to do, and, and he would do it. And I started pastoring here when I was 27 years old, and I didn't know anything about pastoring, and I don't know if you ever learned how to pastor, you know, completely, but Charlie would come to me, and we were over in the Founders Chapel uh, having service, and we had a good crowd out there, and Charlie said, Tracy, we need to move from there out here, and I said, we do? And he said, yes, we do. We do? He said, we do. I said, we do. And uh, next thing you know, we, we have moved. And he said, we need to finish those classrooms over there. On the other side of that wall, there was just a big giant hole at one time. And we need to finish those classrooms. And I said, we do? And he said, we do. I said, seriously, we do. We do. And so we finished those classrooms. And so, you know, I just, Charlie would tell me what we needed to do. And I'd say, we do? And then we'd just, you know, make it happen. So his fingerprint is on everything around the building. And uh, in this picture right here, this is a groundbreaking. Charlie was going to dig for the, make the first dig for the uh, children's ministry that's back there. And to, his, to your left is Mary. Now, Mary 
uh, her calling, I don't think she ever realized, but Mary, your calling is to be a stand-up comedian. That's what your calling is. Um, because she always had the funniest wit and the most incredible uh, one-liners. One day I came in here, Mary was painting the baseboard over there. And so I said, Mary, I said, what are you doing? She said, I'm painting this baseboard. I said, you having fun? She said, now this was her line, never forgot. She said, I had fun once, but this isn't it. And so I thought, that's a good one. And then one Wednesday night, we had grown on a Wednesday night service to probably about 15 people. We were averaging on Wednesday night. And uh, one Wednesday night, there's like eight of us. And so before service started, I said, where's everybody at, man? And I never forgot this. And I've used this all my life. Mary said, the cream of the crop's here, brother. The cream of the crop is here. And so I remembered that. That's right. The cream of the crop's here. So whoever shows up, that's the cream of the crop. So, and Sherry, Sherry's peeking there. For those of you who know Larry and Ruth Schreier, Sherry's peeking between the two of them. See Sherry there smiling. Sherry has worn so many hats in this church over the years. She took care of so many things on the worship team. Worship teams would fall apart. She would rescue them. Then they'd fall apart, and she would rescue them. So thank you, Sherry and, and Mary. And Charlie's gone on to be with the Lord for all your many years of service, uh, serving this wonderful church here. Um, I, I also want to mention Charlotte and Elber, Elmer Lamberg. Uh, I want to mention them because I love her story. I asked Charlotte one time, I said, how did you get to be here to Crossroads? I always like no people's story. She said, I ran into somebody, and I was talking to him, and I told him that Elmer and I were looking for a church home. And she said, oh, I visited this one church. And uh, she said, I wasn't very happy with it. It was this church. And she said, uh, she said well, what went on? I said, I just, they just seemed too happy to be in church. They just seemed too excited about God. She said, I just, it just felt weird to me. Plus, they had other instruments other than a piano and an organ in the church. And when she was done complaining about this church, Charlotte said, give me the name of that church because that's the church I want to go to. And that's where she did and where they served. They've both gone on to be with the Lord now. Wonderful, wonderful people. Um, Barney and Shirley Sammons. Uh, Barney and Shirley. Uh, I don't know if he uh, likes having this honor, but he was the very first funeral I did as pastor for Crossroads Community Church. Wonderful guy, sweet man of God. Groomed the yard around here you know, for years and did so many things. And, and Shirley was a prayer warrior. She was an intercessor. And um, she told me one time, she said, Trace, she was not braggadocious, if anybody knows Shirley. She wasn't braggadocious at all. But Shirley said, I have prayed for you and Darlene and your family every day, and I continue to pray for you every day. That was so comforting to me and encouraging to me. I always thought if I was having a bad day, at least Shirley was praying for me. I knew at least Shirley was. My mama might not be, but Shirley was praying for me. And one day I mentioned that in a service, and Shirley, because she does not want to get any recognition she does not deserve, she raised her hand, and I said, Shirley, she's sitting right out in there, I said, Shirley, do you need something? She said, yeah, she said, I just, I need to tell you something. I mean, this is during a service. And I said, what's that, Shirley? She said, you remember last year I was in the hospital? And I said, yeah. She said, there's a couple days where I was on medication that I don't think I prayed for you guys. <laughs> and uh, I said, okay, Shirley, we give you the day off for being uh, incoherent, so that, that's okay. Um, Shirley was, um, uh, some of you may not know this, I know family knows it, but uh, uh, Shirley was such a gentle soul, but she did not mind telling you the truth. But she would tell you, you know, in, in a gentle way, 
Her family nicknamed her, I love this nickname, the Velvet Hammer. That, now, how's that for a name? The Velvet Hammer. Some of you may not have known that, but the family told me that that's what we named her, the Velvet Hammer, because she'd tell you the truth, but it's just a little softness to it when she would, uh, you know, hit you with the ha- hammer of truth. Shirley told me one day that she had a visitation by Jesus, that Jesus literally visited her. Now, some of you may say, I don't know if I believe that or not. I wouldn't probably believe it either if it hadn't been Shirley. If Shirley, I remember Larry Schreier told me this one time, it reminds me of Shirley. Larry said, if I tell you a rooster can pull a freight train, you better harness that baby up. And that's the way I feel about Shirley. When she told me that Jesus, and she told me the whole story, and she wasn't bragging, she just had an encounter with Jesus, I believe she really did. But I think about all the others, too. Um, Don and Kay Buzzard, who served for years, and the Buzzard Boys, and uh, you probably wouldn't have known it, but as we were flipping through that video, uh, Don is on the trusses on the roof, you know, putting that in. And uh, then I think of Billy and Linda Fisher. Billy's gone on to be with the Lord, and here's Linda here on the front row, serves so many capacities, and, and Mindy, her, her daughter and family who were here. And uh, Billy was one of my elders for years and, and literally did so many things, gave of their time, their talent, their treasure to make sure the Crossroads was healthy and well, and so thank you for all your service in that. I, I think about uh, uh, Dan Small, our precious Dan Small, Dan and Julie Small. Dan went on to be with the Lord in, within the last year, and all his service to the church, and, and the list goes on and on. I know I'm forgetting people, and, and uh, you might be thinking, what about me? Well, yes, thank you for all your service as well. Uh, just a great group of people. And Crossroads Community Church uh, some people may think I'm kidding about this. I'm seriously not kidding about this. Crossroads Community Church, 50 years ago, absolutely cutting edge. And you may say, well, out here in cow country, cutting edge? Yes, cutting edge. I'm not joking about that. Think about this 50 years ago. Contemporary Christian music. There were people who I'm sure came in 50 years ago and said, hey, Margaret, this is not where we want to go. This place is like a rock concert in here or something because it just was not normal unless you've seen Jesus' revolution, you know, what was going on with Chuck Smith out west. It was not normal to have drums or, or keyboards or bass or, you know, guitars in the church service and sing what was then the latest contemporary stuff. That Founders Chapel over there at any moment could be transformed into anything. It was a multi-purpose room. So there were dinner theaters. What? For heaven's sakes, in a church? Yes, drama and arts in the church. It could be transformed into a VBS room or, or a dining hall or a worship center at any moment. And when I first started pastoring here, it was not uncommon because that's where we start, that's where uh, we were at at the time, is people would come and say, uh, not joking, they'd say, do you have a pew fund? And I say, excuse me, I say a pew fund. You know, because I know you guys got folding chairs. And so the only reason we had folding chairs in their mind was we were too poor to afford pews because any respectable church had pews. And uh, I said, no, I said, this, it's purposeful. This is a multi-purpose room. And I explained it to them. They go, okay, I, I get what you're saying. It's weird, but I get it. But seriously, I mean this. Everything I just described to you is normal now. Multi-purpose rooms, drama, dinner theaters, uh, contemporary worship, you know, all that stuff, it's just, it's normal. But back then, 50 years ago, it was not normal. We started something called Lord of Harvest here, and I think at that time we had probably 10, 15 kids that came to the church, and, and uh, Kathy Wyke and, and uh, Errol Graham said, I want to do an alternative for Halloween. We're going to call it Lord of Harvest. What do you think? And so they 
pitched the idea, and I said, sounds like a great idea. So they were working on it, and there's going to be games in here, and we were going to do all kinds of stuff. And I said, how many people are you planning for? And they said, 200. I thought, we got 20 kids coming here. Max, if they all came, that's not quite 200. But we'd never done it before, and I hate to throw cold water on somebody's dream. I thought the worst thing that happened is, you know, we'll all be eating hot dogs for, you know, the next three months. And guess what? 200 people showed up for that event. And every year after, amen. Now, alternatives to Halloween are done all over the place now. And, and we actually quit doing it for a while. And then we had some people one time said, hey, let's do Lord of Harvest again. I said, that's great. So we did it, and it was a great success again. And I got back with them a little while later and the following year and said, hey, it's about 90 days of Lord of Harvest. You need to prepare for it. And you know what they told me? And they said, man, we're not doing that. That is too much work. Uh, there's, there's a lot of work for those who don't know that. Volunteer, and you'll find out all the work that goes on behind the scenes to make an event happen. So thank you all who have served in so many ways, and there's so many more people. But... 50 years is a big deal to God. It's a big deal in the Old Testament. It's a big deal that he calls it a year of Jubilee. And so that's what I want to talk about uh, briefly, the year of Jubilee. And I want to look at um, the Old Testament. We're just going to, real quickly, this is going to be so, um, such a small portion of what the year of Jubilee is about. But I want to give us a little outline because I want to see what the New Testament Jubilee is. And the Old Testament the year of Jubilee, there's basic observances. First of all, there's no planting crops. You had to trust God for provision. Now, I don't know, you read that and you say, oh, it's no big deal. Well, think about if you're the one who has to survive a year without any agricultural work going on. Then I was thinking about this. I said, wow, this is bigger than I even thought because on the 49th year, you have to believe for enough to actually cover your needs for year 49. Then you have to have enough to cover your needs for year 50. Then you have to have enough to make it to the next harvest in year 51. This is a big deal to trust God for your provision. And God still challenges us to trust him for our provision. And so that was part of the year of Jubilee. So you and the land will get a rest for one year from any agricultural work. All indebted servants were free. If you had run up a bill with somebody and you had to work for them and labor for them till the bill was paid off, when the 50-year came, wow, all debts were wiped clean. Everybody was free from any debt. There's a good analogy to that in Jesus. And then all the land would go back to the original owners. So God said, here's who can borrow my land, and it would all go back to them in the 50-year. Well, I believe in the New Testament sense in, in Christianity, that Jesus is our Jubilee. And so this is just my opinion. I'm not sure all Bible scholars would agree with it, but in my opinion, I want to read what I think is Jesus' declaration of the year of Jubilee. It's found in Mark 4, or Luke 4, 17 through 19. Jesus is in the synagogue, which the Bible says was his custom. It was his habit to do that, to be in the house of the Lord every week. And so he was there. They asked him to read, and he asked for a scroll of Isaiah. It says, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed him. Unrolling it, he, Jesus, found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he, the Lord, has anointed me, Jesus, to proclaim good news to the poor. 
He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. When we look at these Old Testament stories, there's a lot of people who will tell you, well, you can't believe God for that because that's an Old Testament story and you're, we're New Testament people. But we can because the Old Testament stories, according to Corinthians, are examples for us to learn from. So we catch the heart of God. We catch the heart of God as we look at these Old Testament stories. And so in the year of Jubilee, there's freedom for people. All debts are settled. Jesus settled all of our debts. I, I, I want to say this because I, I want to make it plain. One day, you and I are going to draw our last breath. And I know for some people, it's a very, very fearful thing. Uh, it's not a fearful thing to me. I'm not, you know, in a hurry to do it today, but I, I, I'm going to go be with the Lord. And all of us are going to stand before the Lord. And According to the scripture, those who love Jesus and know Jesus will stand before what, I think the Greek word is the bema seat of Christ, and they'll receive rewards for the things they've done. But then there's a great, great white throne judgment where people are judged. And the Bible says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God if you're not right with God. And we could dismiss that and say, oh, that's no big deal. It is a big deal. We just went on a trip, our whole family did, and we spent months planning this trip. We spent a lot of money. Darlene was awarded us a grant from Lilly Endowment for years of service and ministry. And so we spent a lot of Lilly's money on this, on this trip. And I heard Zig Ziglar say this one time. He says, it's a sad thing that people spend more time planning a vacation the last a week or two than they do planning their eternity. I thought, wow, how true. The time, the energy, the money, the investment that went in planning this trip, two weeks, it's done. We got some memories, but it's done. Eternity is a long, long time. And so I want to encourage you. Make it a joyful thing to fall into the hands of a living God because your life's right with him. Because life really is but a vapor. We're here today, gone tomorrow. And eternity is a long time. And man, we want to be enjoying eternity forever. So we read on. And I, I, wanna, I want you to see that you really, ultimately, originally, belong to God. The earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, and all who dwell therein. I'm not going to teach you the Genesis story, but sin and Satan came into the world. We fell. We were broken. We really are the TV commercial. We had fallen and couldn't get up. We needed help. We needed a lifeline. And our only hope was Jesus. And so Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for us so we could have eternal life in him. And we could be made the righteousness of God. What an incredible gift Jesus gives us. And God is really saying to us, it's time for us to go back to our rightful owner. Amen. Now, you say, well, I want to do my own things. Everybody does. I want to do what I want, when I want, how I want, where I want, with whom I want. But I'll tell you, you'll never find more joy than you'll find in Jesus. 
It won't be in all the other things of the world. The devil hates you. I want you to know that. He hates all human beings because we're made in God's image. And he will do anything to destroy your eternity. And, and somebody could challenge me and say, well, well, Satan doesn't hate Satan worshipers. Yeah, he, he does. He does. Yeah, he does. He really does. He hates people. Jesus loves people. The psalmist said, what are we that you're mindful of us? What is there about us that you're so passionate for us? Jesus said, I have come. One of the purposes I came is that you might have and enjoy a rich and satisfying life. Jesus came to give us life, not to take life. And so there's this beautiful passage here in Isaiah 54, 1 through 5. And I believe this is a word for the Crossroads family. It's a word for everyone's individual family here. It's a word for us individually as, as people. Isaiah 54, 1 through 5. These verses are, are tough because they're telling us to do something that's the exact opposite of what we would think we should do. Sing, barren woman. You who never bore a child, burst into song, shout for joy. You who were never in labor. Wow, really? Yeah. Why? Because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. We go, what? And then he challenges us with something. He says, enlarge the place of your tent. Let me make this plain. What are you saying? Get a bigger tent. Get a bigger tent. Crossroads, get a bigger tent. Family, get a bigger tent. Individuals, get a bigger tent. Make more room for God and the blessing of God in your life. Make more room. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your curtains wide. What's the curtain? It's the doorway. The wider you stretch your curtains, the more that can come in. Stretch your curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. If you've ever put up a tent, the bigger the tent, the longer and stronger the cords, the ropes, and the deeper and stronger the tent pegs. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Do not be afraid. You will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. A lot of your Bibles will have a little subheading underneath Isaiah 54, and it'll be called the future glory of Zion. Zion's the city of God, or, or even in a broader sense, Israel, or the people of God, or in the broader sense, the kingdom of God. The future glory of the kingdom of God. I believe that the Lord would not be bothered by, say, by us saying that these verses also represent the future glory of, of our church, and of our families, and of our lives, when we follow the advice of the Lord. So these promises are revealed to the people of Israel, and it's the heart of God towards us. Now, listen to me. God makes up for what we lack. I want you to know that God makes up for what we lack. He becomes the husband to the husbandless and tells us to burst into song, shout for joy. Why? Because he is our provider. 
He is our provider. You say, but the reality is, I really do have lack. That, that could be the natural reality. But God always has a bigger reality. See, there's all kinds of natural things, but God's supernatural. God can do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask, all that we can think, or all that we can imagine. And so he challenges us. When we say, but I lack resources, I've missed opportunities. Who hasn't missed an opportunity? Let me tell you the idea I had. But I dismissed it as a dumb idea. I was in high school. I was a phenomenal athlete. Nobody here, well, Gary could probably put, okay. Well, when no one's seen me, I always tell people how awesome I was. But I'd been playing some tennis that day, and I went in, and there's a pop machine. And in the pop machine was Cokes and Pepsis and Mountain Dews. Have you ever been really, really thirsty? Does a, does a Mountain Dew sound good when you're really, really thirsty? No. Uh, yeah, okay, we got one. We got one. Uh, Some people started to say, no, uh, no, what sounds good is water. So I looked at this machine and I thought, man, I would like to create a can of water and put in this machine. And then I said, no one would buy water. (laughs) And at that time, I think the, the cans of pop were 20 or 25 cents. I thought we'd have to figure out how to rig the machine up to only charge a nickel for water. How dumb was I? People will buy water. They'll pay more for water. So we all have missed opportunities, which I wouldn't have known what to do with that if I would have decided to do it. But we all got missed opportunities. But you know what? God is the source of our resources. He's the source of our success. He's the source of us abounding. God reminds us he is our source. I want to remind you of that today, and I want to remind me of that today. Because there are things in your life you say, I don't have what it takes to get it done. No, you don't, I don't, he does. And so he's the source. And so he challenges us, I want you to respond. Think about what he's saying in these verses. Because in our household, we we had a little phrase. I'm just curious to know if this is like a Midwestern thing or if it's just in our household. I'm telling you this information because I want it to possibly change your life. Now, my mom and dad would talk to us kids. And I don't know if our eyes would glaze over or what, but they would say, I'm not just talking to hear my head rattle, okay? Did any parents, anybody ever hear that? Is that just a, I'm not just talking to hear my head rattle? So I'm not just talking here to hear my head rattle. I want you to get this. He challenges us to act like this is true, respond like this is true, prepare like this is true, because it is true. It is true. God is our source. Therefore, crossroads, therefore, families, therefore, individuals, plan and live with expectation. Plan and live with expectation. He tells the desolate, the husbandless, those who are are lacking in resources to do this. I want us to look at it again. To do this. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. And verse 4 deals with everything we will experience when we go, I'm going to go for it in God. We say to ourselves, "Ah, 
I'm just kind of scared to do that. What if it doesn't work? What if I make a fool of myself? What, what if I go after God and it all falls apart? Listen to what I said in verse 4. Do not be afraid. You will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. Hmm. Praise the Lord. So prepare for increase. Prepare for expansion. Prepare for blessings. Again, me and you were all prone to say, I, I just don't have what it takes. Do you have a life-changing relationship with Jesus? Then you have what it takes, because you have him. Now, I'm not talking about those relationships with Jesus. You hear me mention every now and then, where people are filling out a survey, and it says, what's your religion? And they go, I don't know. So they grab their pen, and they look and say, Buddhist, I'm not a Buddhist. Hindu, not a Hindu. Atheist, I'm not an atheist. Bless God, God bless America. Not that. So let's see here. Uh, Christian, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. So they check that, and then they say, I'm a Christian. Christianity is more than just checking something off of a survey. It's coming into a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Maybe that's why people aren't that happy with Christianity, because they just checked it off on a list. Instead, it came into a relationship with the creator of the universe. Wow. Now, someone may say, and I kind of doubt that anybody here is saying this, but someone might be here saying, hey, I don't need the Lord. I have a Ph.D. in business. I have a doctorate in finance. I have multi-million dollar investors for my life. I have the powerful and famous endorsing me. I'll be fine without God. Let me say this. No, you will not. You will not be fine without God. I don't think you'll be fine without God for very long at all, but let's just play and pretend like for a hundred years, you will be fine on planet Earth without God. That's nothing in the long haul of eternity. Settle it today. You and I need Jesus. As those words came out of my mouth, I thought about our founder, Earl Goff. You know what Earl Goff was interested in all the time? People knowing Jesus. He was a broken record, man. Just wanted people to know Jesus. I mean, who wants to go to a church like that? I do and you do. <laughs> exactly. We want to know Jesus. And Earl was passionate for people to know Jesus. I caught that passion too. I want you to know Jesus. So settle that day. You need Jesus. I need Jesus. And we can yield our lives to him. A hundred years is... But a snap of a finger, it's a puff of smoke, it's a flash when you compare it to eternity. So God is calling us. Make the most of your life today because the Bible says godliness is profitable now in this life and in the life to come. But God wants us to have a full life here and an amazing life with him forever. Let's pray together.